Citizens of the Earth, you will be destroyed. I see the dragons! Welcome to the Sideshow. This is where we get together and just talk about whatever random stuff that we've been into recently. I'm Justin. I'm Jenny. You can uh, check out our stuff on our YouTube channel, Kaiju Carnival, or check out our Instagram, at Kaiju underscore Carnival, to see what we're up to. All right, I watched a lot of movies this week. I watched a Netflix movie called Day Shift with Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco. And Jamie Foxx is like this vampire hunter guy in uh, Los Angeles. And Dave Franco is kind of this like paper pusher guy that gets stuck with like Jamie Foxx out in the field. It's kind of like a buddy cop, like vampire action comedy film. It's got Snoop Dogg in it too, which is awesome. So yeah, it's a really fun film. Like. Definitely, if you're looking for a good time, uh, check it out. And uh, a lot of the vampires were contortionists also, I think. I believe they were contortionists. Is so, this a newer film? Yeah. A lot of the fight scenes, like the vampires are getting like all cranked up in all different like positions, you know. And it was, it was really entertaining. A lot of cool fight scenes in this. Okay, I actually remember them making this film um, because it was a unique, like, uh, cast of contortionists, which was kind of cool to like use someone's like a natural ability to like crumple their bodies up into like these little origami, you know, cranes. Yeah. No, it's I, it's rad. You should check it out. Yeah, I think I will check it out. I haven't seen it yet either, but I'm I really want to see Megan, and I want to see it even more now that I found out that the android character is actually a puppet for most of the movie, except for in the scenes when uh, the characters doing something like really fast Mm -hmm. or something that you just can't recreate with a puppet. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's an actor wearing like a Megan mask. Um, But it's just so cool that they're using a puppet. Megan is like a child size. Yeah. Okay. She's like a child size Android. That's like supposed to be like a protector and friend, but you know, it like, but it doesn't end that way. Typical robot (laughs) shit. Right. It always goes, always goes sideways. (laughs) And then they all take over. I don't I don't know why I love the idea of it being a puppet so much though. Cuz like I love CGI, I love VFX and that stuff is its own art form, you know, in and of itself. But just like I don't know if it's like, you know, like some hipster shit and I'm just like, "Oh, you know, it's so cool they're using puppet." But it's just it's so it maybe it's like nostalgia from when I was a kid. You know, yeah, you're a like, kid of the 80s and 90s yeah, film, you so. know, like Sesame Street and, you know, you know, Fraggle Rock and all that stuff. Yeah, I think there's a difference between, like, making art while um, while you're actually producing the film versus, like, digitally creating art, you know, with a computer. So you've got different styles and, um, you know, you produce a completely different result. So uh, it would be interesting to see this this uh film but if it's a if it's a robot i think robots are a little bit more uh it's a little more forgiving because their their movement doesn't always have to be so human-like i guess that's the thing though is that or is she human i didn't realize it was a puppet because it doesn't look like a puppet Uh, it doesn't have like puppet movement to it i mean it's not like a pinocchio puppet right which with the 
the question, no. wait, that was the worst example because Pinocchio doesn't have strings. <laughs> what I meant to say was... Well, P- Pinocchio is a marionette, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, that's what I always think of as a puppet. Or like Jim... Uh, like Jim Henson stuff. Yeah, Jim yeah. Henson stuff. Yeah. Is that re- is that more of the puppet that it was? Yeah. Okay. But it it's not like a Jim Henson puppet because it looks realistic. You know, it doesn't look like... Are you sure they don't have robotic, you know, like robotic insides as well? No. So some of the facial movements, I think, are Anim- controlled by animatronics. Animatronics, okay. Yeah, but it's still all practical, yeah. you know, which is really rad that yeah. they did that. And I think the budget on the film was like $15 million or something like that, which is wild. I can't imagine. If someone gave me a million dollars, I wouldn't know what to do with it, making a film. But $15 million. I mean, I'm sure it goes quick, though. It's like a six-week shoot, $15 million, probably, like, gone. Gosh. I don't know how long it took him to shoot the film, but. Yeah. Well, I didn't, man, I can't really add too much to this conversation because the movies that I watched were all very sappy and, uh, you know, Julia Roberts-type films, so. Um, so let's not talk about that. Yeah, that's horror. <laughs> that sounds like more horror to me than anything I watched this week. I mean, other than the movies I watch for the podcast, I had to just like shake it up a little bit. But I did work on a script. Uh, it's a comedy, and I got to do a little more tweaks on it. Um, hoping to get that filmed here in the next few weeks. Um, so in my normal life, I'm working on a career in the cyber world. So I got a lot of different ideas of how to use cyber in its evil state to create other short films. So I have two other ideas um, for, I don't know, I think they're going to be pretty unique stories with how, uh, you know, the security of our digital world takes over. What we think is what we think is safe is not that safe. <laughs> that sounds cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you come up with for that. Yeah, I still have to write them, but that's what I'm working on. I have all the the details worked out in my head. I just need to put it on paper. But I think first we go with the comedy. So I've been listening to this book on Audible called The Sundown Motel, mm-hmm. and it's by uh, Simone St. James, which I thought was like, is that a real name? And then I, I looked her up, and I still, I'm still not sure if it's like a pen name or a real name, because it sounds like a like a sappy romance novel, yeah, like Simone St. James, this new book, right? Uh, but it's a... It's a really good audio book because it has two different voice actors, and it takes place in 1982 and 2017 in upstate New York. The chapters alternate between 1982 and 2017, and it's so good that they use two different voice actors because it makes it like very distinguishable, like who – oh, this feels like a different character, right? And sometimes that's why I like audiobooks if they're well done because then I'm not putting the character's voice like in my own voice, you know? Yeah. And for some reason it's always hard for me to voice like characters of the opposite sex whenever I'm like reading a book. Yeah. You know? But this book follows uh, two characters, right? Viv in 1982 and her niece Carly in 2017. And Carly never knew Viv, but Viv disappeared from when she was working at the motel. So Carly goes there and gets a job and she's like trying to figure out what happened to her aunt. 
it's pretty clear from early on that there's like a supernatural ghost element to the to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm trying to, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, it's really well done. So like, if you like ghost stories, I hope it turns out well. I'm not like recommending something that's like terrible to people uh, because I haven't even finished it yet. So. How far are you into it? I'm like a third of the way through. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you kind of just started. Yeah, but it, it's it's pretty good. Gosh, I haven't even opened up my Audible in a while, so I can't recommend any books at the moment. Dude, um, I have so many audiobooks I haven't listened to. I know. I, I know. I, I do as well. Um, I have more nonfiction than fiction, but because um, I started like a new job situation, so I have a longer commute. So now I've been watching a lot more podcasts. So today, um, I was listening to um, Smartless, and the hosts are um, Jason Bateman, uh, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes, and, you know, three comedians. They're, they have, like, all-star guests on the show. So today, though, everybody was, like, a little more nervous than normal because it was Steven Spielberg. And holy cow, this guy is, like, all they could do, all the hosts could do is really just shower him with com- compliments, you know? Dude, which, he must get so tired of that. Yeah, oh, I bet, because there's, like, the conversation doesn't keep going. You know, you don't get to hear, like, the little backstories as much. Yeah. Um, but I understand why, you know, you're, you want to, like, tell him how wonderful he is. But he was telling stories about him, you know, um, his good friend is uh, George Lucas, and they're talking about, like, when they were younger— and he was giving a example of like one year he made Jurassic Park and and Schindler's List all in the same year. And he was talking about how like he yeah he was done wrapping up with uh got all the editing done with Jurassic Park and then he had he just had to hurry up with the because the what was it the seasons were were. You know, it, it was I think he said it was winter. He had to go and film um, Schindler, Schindler's List during this particular season. So, you know, he goes and just calls George Lucas up and say, hey, buddy, can you um, just finish up my film? You know, do the the color correction, um, you know, and, and do the small little tweaks, that, you know, to to just finish Jurassic Park while I go and start on Schindler's List. And I was like, oh, my gosh, can you first of all. Having, like, one of your good friends be George Lucas, come on. Like, that's a freaking amazing life. Yeah, you just call and ask for, like, a favor. Like, hey, can you just do a small the favor. color on this film? Yeah, yeah, on one of the, the biggest, two of the biggest, like, you know, um, blockbuster hits, you know. Um, but it was really, I don't know, I think it's, I don't recommend too many uh, podcasts or guests, but his was, his is always going to be like just great stories about there's snippets of all the different movies that he did. Um, great questions that were asked. So I highly recommend that podcast. So in movie news, there's a, it, I think it's uh, described as an experimental horror film from Canada right now called uh, Skin of a Rink. Mm-hmm. And I got to find a place to watch it because I really want to see it. But it's a very low budget film. It's like $15,000. And it's brought in like close to nine hundred thousand dollars right now. Shut up. Fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, which I love seeing, dude, because that it's so inspiring to see a low budget film like succeed like that. Like it's crushing it. 
at the box office. Do you realize that we could we we could make a budget of that and <laughs> well, we can only hope to make well, that much money. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I'm sure we would be the ones that like, yo, 15 grand, we're gonna kill this movie, right? And just it'll be trash. <laughs> like it'll make it'll make twenty seven dollars. <laughs> but it's you know, because with you know, a, a great example is like Blair Witch Project or uh, Paranormal Activity, right? When you talk about those films, people almost talk about it like it can't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it was lightning in a bottle, right? And it's kind of true. But every once in a while, you'll have a movie come along and they still make it, dude, you know? So it, it really gives hope to like small-time filmmakers out there. Like you can make something that is very successful. Because I haven't done like the math, but like fifteen grand turning that into close to a million dollars, it'll definitely hit a million dollars before it's done with its run. Maybe, maybe you know, two million dollars or one point five. But it would be interesting though to see what it was that drew people into watching this film. Yeah, because when you refer back to the older, you know, paranormal activities and. Um, Blair Witch, it was, those were the first of those types of films with the way that the camera work was, the homemade look versus, I think Paranormal was more of that corner cam. Is that the best way to describe Paranormal activity? The camera was kind of in the corner of the room. Yeah, I don't know how I would describe that besides just, like, home video found footage. Yeah, yeah. Because it wasn't always in the corner. It was for, like, the bedroom scenes. Okay. You know? Um, so it would be interesting to see what they did. Maybe, I mean, is the story just that incredible, or is it the way they filmed it? They've got to be the first of their kind to, like, create something that is, like, drawing the crowds in. Yeah, it, it would be interesting to see how they marketed this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, it would be... It'd be interesting to see where it ends up, mm-hmm. like on the, uh, you know, uh, how much it brings in. Thanks for joining us this week on Kaiju Carnival Sideshow. Sideshow. Side <laughs> I forgot what we were doing for a second. I was like, shit, is this the podcast? It's kind of the podcast. But uh, anyways, uh, you can hit us up on our Instagram at Kaiju underscore Carnival or our uh, email at Kaiju Carnival Connect. At gmail.com. And make sure to keep up with our Instagram. Um, We're going to be changing, adding a few cool things on there. So check us out. Kaiju underscore carnival. We'll see you next week. Matane.